Hello and welcome to the 100 Conferences 3TS podcast. This is Pavel from 100 Conferences. Today I'm here with Yasmina from 3TS and our guest Evarez from Sky Ventures. It's my pleasure to having you here. Discussion today will be about the main differences between VC and CVC and the CVC landscape in the CE region. Now I'm passing the word to you, Yasmina. Thank you, Pavel, and welcome everyone also from my side. My name is Yasmina and I am the Communications and Investment Manager at 3TS Capital Partners. And today I will be your moderator during this episode of the 100 Conferences 3TS podcast. Today I am joined by a great guest, Eva Ress. Hello, Eva. Hi, everyone. Um, and thank you for having me for this podcast. Hi, Eva. It's great having you. Thank you for accepting the invitation. You are the Senior Investment Manager at Sky Ventures in London. How long have you been with Sky now? Yeah, so um, I'm in the startup investments and partnerships team at Sky. And I joined the team last January. So it's more than a year and a half um, so far that I'm working in this team, which is part of the wider business development and strategic partnerships team. Um, So we have other teams that we are working closely together with. Good. Well, I know about you that even though you live in London now, you're originally Hungarian. And before actually moving to London, you have already gained more than 10 years of experience in the capital market, working in VC and a stock exchange as well. So for those of us who don't know you that well, could you maybe run us through your sort of life or career path and how did you actually arrive to where you are right now? Yes, sure. Um, So yes, I'm originally from Hungary, from Budapest. I um, lived most of my life there. Um, and um, maybe I start um, from, you know, from the beginning. So um, I had a master's in, I have a master's in finance. And um, after I graduated, I um, joined, joined KPMG. And then right after um, I started working at the Budapest Stock Exchange uh, within business development. So basically that role was more about um, developing the local capital markets. Um, it was a very exciting role. I really enjoyed being in that team and I spent five years there Um, and then um, I got a Fulbright scholarship um, and with that I I went to San Francisco uh, where I spent almost a year and uh, due to that experience I decided to change uh, career um, and I went into venture capital um, because obviously being in the Silicon Valley has a huge impact on you and I found that quite um, appealing so then um, I, I spent that one year in San Francisco and then um, I got a job um, back in Hungary with Day One Capital, which is a Hungarian early stage tech investor. Um, so I was an investment director there um, for a few years. And um, after that, um, I thought that I'd like to go back to studying again. So I moved to London to do an MBA. Um, it was three years ago now. And I did my MBA at Hull Business School. And um, after that, um, I was um, for a couple of months with um, with Episode One Ventures, which is, again, an early stage tech investor based in London. Um, and finally, I joined um, Sky. Um, so basically, I moved from uh, venture capital to corporate venture capital. Very nice. Thank you for that run through. I think it's never easy to summarize someone's life or career in just a few sentences. Um, and so during our talk, I would 
really like to dig a little deeper into the differences and the similarities between VCs and CVCs. But maybe a good thing to start with would be if you could tell us a little bit about Sky Ventures. Yeah, sure. So um, basically, if we talk about corporate venture capital, there are different models in terms of you can run a corporate accelerator or you can run a separate fund, uh, very similar to a VC fund. But in our case, uh, basically, our team is embedded in the organization. Um, and so we invest from the balance sheet of Sky. Um, our team, as the name indicates, um, is scouting for startups, um, for partnerships and also for investments. So basically, we are looking for companies and products um, and technologies that um, could be uh, very interesting for, for Sky. And um, basically, um, for those who don't know Sky, um, it's, um, it's a big media company. Basically, um, our core business is around triple play. So we have TV, broadband and mobile. Um, and probably uh, you are aware of Sky Sports and Sky News. Um, and so um, we are looking for companies that are um, partly related to the core business of what our, our organization um, does or the corporate does. Um, but besides that, we are also looking at um, adjacent businesses such as um, uh, gaming or connected homes. Um, so there are different other um, very exciting areas that we are also um, um, looking at. And so um, our team basically initiates these uh, conversations with, with early stage companies um, and um, we try to find the business alignment with these companies. So basically we are kind of an intermediary between um, external and internal stakeholders. So we, we need to understand uh, the business and, you know, the business um, um, goals basically, and we try to find uh, companies um, that could be relevant for what we do. Um, so it's a very exciting role uh, in terms of being in, in between all those stakeholders and and try to find that strategic fit. Um, and so uh, in terms of um, investments, which I'm more more involved in, um, basically um, we would invest in companies which where we see the strategic fit. Um, and uh, we we are quite stage agnostic, so we we do investments from seed up to later stage, and we invest in the US, Europe, and Israel. So, although we are quite a lean team, um, we we try to cover um, these territories and these stages um, because um, we we are really looking for uh, growth opportunities for the business and also for um, certain things that could enhance the capabilities and um, make the business more efficient. Um, so I think in a nutshell, <laughs> this is what, what we do and this is what we are looking for. Thank you for that, Eva. Maybe coming a little back to how does the setup look like exactly for the fund that Sky is managing? Is it a completely separate self-standing fund or is it more embedded into the whole organization? How does the decision process look like? Is it separate again and independent or is it very connected to the mother company? Yeah, so um, so as I mentioned, there are different models, and our model is more is more connected to the business, as you said. So basically, we are part of the the, the wider organization. As I mentioned, we are part of the business development and strategic uh, partnerships team. So we don't we don't manage a fund, so to say. Um, we invest from the balance sheet of the company, um, and uh, basically, uh, we are looking for this alignment with the business. Um, so we wouldn't do investments if we don't see that fit, if we don't, if we can't build up the investment rationale. And 
In terms of, um, you know, the, the decision process, uh, basically, um, it's very similar to traditional VCs. The only difference is that while we also have an investment committee, we also need a business sponsor from the business. So we always um, validate, you know, the, the product or the idea or the technology with, um, with the relevant uh, stakeholders from the business. And as I said, for us, um, that kind of alignment is very, very important. So once we see that, um, our team builds up the investment thesis for, for that specific company, but we also need to have a, a business uh, sponsor. And so if we have that, um, then basically our LP, if we can say that, so the limited partner in our case would be the management. So we don't have a fund, we don't have traditional limited partners or investors, but we kind of, you know, present our investment idea or investment thesis to the to the management. Um, and if that's approved, then we would go go ahead with the, the investment. But as I said, sometimes um, if it's not a strategic fit, but we still we are still excited about the product or the platform of, of that specific um, startup, we could still do a partnership, a commercial deal with that company, which I, I think it's also mutually beneficial. Um, and I think having Sky as a customer is, is, you know, is probably a good thing for, for most of the startups. So, um, so I would encourage um, companies in that space to also reach out if, you know, if they, if they think that, um, that that product is something that, that Sky could use, as I said, either for growth opportunities to kind of offer it to our customers or maybe um, within the organization because it could help to automate processes or make our, um, our processes more efficient. Yes, understood. Thank you. Um, maybe a last quick one on this. Like, is there oftentimes collaboration happening between the portfolio companies and the mother company then? Yes. So um, we, uh, we've been around for seven years. And we invested in um, 25 plus companies and a few funds as well. And with most of the companies, portfolio companies, we do have some kind of uh, commercial partnership or, um, you know, that, that type of partnership. Um, so for us, it's, um, as I said, that's basically um, the key um, motivation to, um, to engage with these, with these startups, um, because then we can, we can either integrate their uh, product or we can as I said offer it to our customers or we can um, automate our processes with it um, so we do have um, partnerships with most of the companies with, that we invested in and I think that would be the case in the future and that's why it's important to emphasize that um, I'm more involved in, in you know making the deals and portfolio management but um, the other half of the team is not only scouting startups but they are also kind of responsible for um, converting these, um, you know, conversations into commercial partnerships, if, if that makes sense for both sides. Um, so I think we have um, kind of dedicated resources for, for both. Um, and we also, we are also keen to kind of, um, you know, be there for, for these teams um, when, you know, when these partnerships are happening, because it's a big organization. So we, we are there to help them navigate through the organization um, meet the right stakeholders, um, kind of facilitate this conversation if that's needed. Um, so for us, it's also very important to get the opinion of the business, but it's also very important to, to help and support the startups throughout this process. Yes, and then maybe coming back to you personally, based on your previous experience in VC, 
How does it compare then to your CBC experience? What would you say are the main differences? Yeah, so um, I, I have to say I really enjoyed working for traditional VCs, but what I really like about um, being in a corporate VC is that um, this kind of business um, aspect that you have to you have to find startups, identify companies um, that that could be exciting for for the business, um, as I said, for growth uh, opportunities or, or efficiencies. And although you know VC firms also have their investment focus, but I, I used to work at um, at funds uh, where they were more generic, and in this case, we have a specific focus, which is still quite quite broad so so it's very exciting to do that but i think that type of business development element where um you know you can be part of that thought process is actually is actually a very exciting part of the of the role um so i think that's that's a main difference that for corporate vcs you have to align um you know um the the activities of of these startups with um, the the business activities while for vcs they have a defined uh, a predefined investment um, focus. Uh, typically, it's also in the limited partnership um, agreement, and so um, and so they focus on those areas that they define there. Um, another big difference is probably this is the the, the biggest one is that um, corporate VCs tend to focus more on this business alignment. Um, so they want to boost their business by bringing in innovation through these um, companies through these startups. Um, and so for them, I think the strategic fit is, is probably the key priority. Although uh, I would also say that, you know, looking at the financials, understanding the, you know, um, the, the projections and the opportunity is also very, very important. But for traditional VC firms and, and funds, of course, because they have limited partners behind the fund um, who have an expected return, um, ROI or, you know, the, the return is, is really the, the priority for them. Um, but of course, they also have to meet those investment focus criteria that they, they define for their for their investors. Um, and then I think another another big um, difference uh, would be um, for me, at least, is, is that um, I feel that it's much easier for me to rely on our business in terms of, you know, validating the product or the platforms that we are talking to because they have you know, that type of knowledge. And of course, as an investor, you also try to build up your, your tech, um, you know, knowledge and and you really want to uh, be tech savvy. But I think for me, it's much more credible that I can rely on those people who are actually doing that every day. And I think it also um, kind of enables the conversation between the startup and between our business that we have the right people who they can talk to. Um, so that type of due diligence and, and also um, those conversations are just, um, you know, very, very comfortable. Although we have to say that a lot of um, VC funds have um, now entrepreneurs or ex-entrepreneurs on board, venture partners. Um, so they also, I mean, they also have those skills. But personally, for me, I think that's a very um, comforting, um, you know, um, element that I know that I can rely on the business um, from that point of view. And um, maybe there are two more things to mention. So one of them is um, the lifetime of the capital. So in case of um, VC uh, funds, they typically have a lifetime, which is which could be 10 to 12 years and an investment period of five years. And then they typically do follow on investments and, and then they are also already preparing the for the exits. 
Um, why for a corporate VC, it's it's typically not the case. So for us, really, this business alignment um, and this fit is more important. So we can be much more patient in terms of when we want to exit the company. Um, so I think that's another consideration that that can be useful for for founders and and startups. And the last thing to mention uh, for people who want to work in um, in venture capital is that the incentives um, are different if you work for um, a traditional corporate VC or a traditional VC, because um, for for VC funds, um, you have uh, different incentives such as the carry. Um, so it's kind of a success fee, um, you know, based on the portfolio's performance. So if this is something that you are looking for, then that's, you know, that's your um, path to go. Um, but corporate VC offers you, you know, um, a lot of other benefits and, um, I think it just have you just have to know as a person what is more um, comforting for you. Yes, I think it's really clear that you are very passionate about the space, and that's really great to hear. If we would try to look a little bit on the darker side of a CVC, could you quickly name some of the challenges that can occur compared to a regular VC? Um, yeah, so I think one of the biggest challenges for me. Um, has been, which is also, I think, um, you know, a, a very positive thing um, if you look at it from from that point of view, is to kind of um, get up to speed in terms of the industry. So my background was not uh, media and entertainment, and I think you need some time to um, kind of, yeah, um, just pick up the bits and pieces and understand the, the terminology that that is used within the company and and just to understand the trends because that's where you can be the most helpful uh, if you if you kind of understand the, the key goals of, of the business and you can align um, you know your um, job with, with, with those goals um, so that um, I, I would say that that was probably the most challenging part for me um, although I love learning and I think uh, that element is really good and also our team uh, set up um, internally some kind of knowledge share um, um, sessions where um, you know uh, my colleagues who've been working with Sky for a long time they could give me in, they could give me insights into um, you know the products of, of the company as well as um, the different stakeholders and and you know the org chart and, and all those very important things so um, they have a lot of tech knowledge and a lot of um, organization related knowledge um, meanwhile, I also um, tried to share some experiences from my traditional VC background. So I think that kind of transparency and that kind of um, information exchange is, is very helpful from that point of view. Um, the other thing that I would mention is, is probably that you have a lot of stakeholders involved in, you know, in, in these processes. So sometimes it can slow down um, the decision making just because you, you, know, you need to make sure that startup or that technology is relevant for the business this is something that we for instance like to integrate into our system so that might take a, a little time um, but I have to say that I also saw um, you know VC firms uh, how they operate and and it's really about how you can build up the investment thesis how you can get to a conviction um, stage and Sometimes even within within a regular VC firm that can take months as probably a lot of startups experience that. So we we really we are really keen to accelerate that process. But this is something that you know sometimes can be a little bit slow because just because you need to um, you need to engage with others who are also engaged in many other projects. So 
um, that's just something to, to mention probably. Uh, if we would come a little bit back uh, to CEE region and uh, especially to Hungary, how does the CVC landscape look like in Hungary? Are there many corporates that are starting their own um, funds or investment activities? Um, so I think what you probably need to understand about that region and, and let's say Hungary is that, well, especially, you know, if you look at the countries um, separately, Hungary is a rather small um, market. So it's basically um, a population of 10 million. Um, so I think um, if you if you look at that, you probably understand why there are not too many corporate VCs present in Hungary or as, as far as I know, I, you know, as a disclaimer, I haven't uh, been living there for a couple of years, but I, I still try to follow um, the news related to um, the startup ecosystem. So um, there are not too many CVCs that I'm aware of. And I think the reason is just what we discussed that, that you know, the market is just not huge for that. Although I think corporate VCs, VCs definitely keep an eye on, on that region and that um, and especially also Hungary because of the talent that is available there uh, in terms of engineering talent um, and, and tech talent. Um, but um, I think you also probably need to consider like what kind of models can can be useful for, for you know, different countries. So you can't really compare apples to oranges. So I think in Hungary, you see more corporate accelerators than, you know, other types of corporate VC models um, because probably that works uh, better. So there is M MKB Bank uh, who runs a fintech um, lab um, and there is a mall which is a big oil company and um, they collaborated with, um, with Design Terminal to run that type of programs. Um, and then there is also Deutsche Telekom which um, runs um, a program with Kitchen Budapest. So I think um, there, there are certain accelerator models. Um, but but I wouldn't I, I couldn't recall anything which would be very similar to what we do here or to like a, running a separate um, BC fund for a corporate. Um, and it's also you know if you if you look at the the investment activity. So the last data point that I got was something around two euros per capita in terms of startup investments in Hungary. If you compare that uh, to the UK, where I think it's around eighty euros. Or to Israel, where it's about it's above two hundred, I think fifty, or so. It's quite there is quite a big difference in terms of the investment activity itself. Although in Hungary there's a lot of um, you know VC money available um, from different sources. So I think uh, it just it just also or history that you probably need to understand to understand why you know the whole ecosystem is just developing and. And also the entrepreneur entrepreneurial skills are developing, so you, you need to get there. But I think there is a great talent. Um, there have been some really successful companies there, and um, there are people who are exiting um, those startups, um, so they can then become an angel investor themselves, or they can join new ventures. Um, so I think there are a lot of good things going on, but um, yeah, it's it's just a different environment um, and different um, traits. Yes, that's definitely true. I think I know of a few um, venture capital funds in Hungary that might have uh, some of the corporates as one of the LPs, but it maybe is not that the uh, corporate would run their own fund on their own um, or have such developed really investment activities. But I think it already shows that there is definitely potential in there and it could be uh, suitable in the future once the innovation ecosystem and the market also develops a little bit further. 
Um, do you think you have any ideas of like what really needs to be done for the ecosystem to actually get there? Yeah, I think there there um, has been a lot of talking about that already. Um, and I think it's also like just what you mentioned. I think it, it's probably worth looking at the region as a whole, as a, for instance, as a corporate, because then you have much more potential in terms of, you know, the market size and um, the, the variety of startups. So I think um, that is probably useful to do. Um, but in terms of, of, innovation um again just a little bit of, of history here um i think it's it's important to know that um central eastern europe um used to be part of the soviet bloc and um because of that um um you know the talent there started kind of i don't want to use the word copying but basically copying the ibm computers back in time so For instance, as far as I know, Hungary became really good at um, developing disks and drives, while Eastern Germany um, became really good at um, chips um, and then Czech Czechoslovakia in cybersecurity. So that talent um, was built up during those decades, I think, because of, of this kind of being a little bit, you know, um, away from those innovations. And then, um, you know, people were trying to build it um, themselves. Um, so I think the, the R&D talent is definitely something that is very appealing about that region. But at the same time, because of the history, um, entrepreneurial skills are not, you know, in our DNA, so to say. Um, but I think now, because, um, you know, um, for the, the last or due to the last decades, I think um, entrepreneurial skills are building up as the word opened up for, for people. And um, And as I mentioned, you know, there are more and more, Um, entrepreneurs who exited their previous um, venture and now they are joining other ventures. So I think entrepreneurial skills and that type of mindset would be would be very helpful to think on a larger scale and to build international global um, companies. If you know if you really want to to make um, make startups successful um, out from out there. Um, and we, we definitely have, a, you know, a lot of use cases. The, the recent one is UiPath from Romania, but, um, you know, in Hungary, there are also very successful companies to mention Prezi or AI Motive, which is now the, the most well-funded um, autonomous car uh, company in Europe. So there are definitely success stories there. So besides entrepreneurial skills, I think also in terms of funding, um, we, can, we can say that, you know, probably there is a gap Um, so there, there is early stage funding and then much later stage funding, but there's still probably a gap um, for like series A, B, C. So, you know, that kind of um, those kind of phases, which are really important to um, to get, you know, to get that growth um, phase, growth phase through. Um, so, so that would be something to probably think about. Um, and, and I think also VC firms are trying to build up more entrepreneurial Um, skills that they can contribute uh, with to to the startups. Um, so they now have venture partners, and and they are really trying to uh, trying to focus on on those um, you know um, kind of skills that could be helpful for for these companies. And another thing to mention probably is the legislative system is quite different. So the jurisdiction. So um, I think what I see you know like going towards west. So living in the UK now. Uh, having been um, in in the US, that the terms are much more entrepreneur friendly here and in the US. So I think that's also something to bear in mind that 
as an investor, you can be the most helpful to your startups. Um, if you, of course, you you have to have certain rights, but at the same time, you are supported with the company and you kind of um, collaborate as a team uh, and you try to help the team to get um, to the next phase and and maybe raise capital abroad. So I think for that, um, that's just really important to kind of compare compare terms and and make sure that they are competitive with you know um, the UK or US terms. And finally, it's also like a personal experience. I think mentorship would be very very helpful, and I don't see that too much in those countries. So I think um, having mentors for um, for everyone basically, but you know for founders, um, I think that's something that could could boost um, confidence and could boost um, the ecosystem a lot because then you could exchange uh, knowledge and experience. And I think that's just very helpful um, personally. So I think these are the key things that I, I would mention. Yeah, I think that's a good comprehensive list of things that actually need to be worked on and changed or improved uh, in order to get a little further and, 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 and build a better and, and better quality um, innovation ecosystem in CEE region. And we're unfortunately slowly getting towards the end. And so I would like to sort of um, have this final three quick questions that you could answer just very briefly. Uh, first one would be, what are the technologies that make you personally most excited? Yeah, so I think, um, it's been, I mean, it's been a very controversial couple of months for sure but I think we are going through a live experiment if I can call it this way I know it's not a very nice term to use but I think that's what it is in a way and what it shows me is that there you know there's a behavioral change which I'm quite excited about in terms of people being stuck at home and how they react and how they try to shift activities towards home and um, and so that's what I'm very curious about how these uh, behavioral changes will whether they they will stick with us on longer term or is this something that is temporary so to mention a couple i think it's really interesting to see how gaming and esports uh, took um, took off uh, during this month because this is also a way for people to socialize especially i think for younger audiences who probably have even more time now um so they, they you know they definitely uh, play across different uh, platforms and they use uh, games um, also to meet friends or to to meet new people, um, and um, as we all know, like there were concerts in you know um, big games such as Fortnite, or um, you can also kind of go shopping in these environments, and you can buy virtual items. You can build up your avatar, your virtual um, kind of identity, um, and so I think it's a very very interesting trend, and also how it raises other questions like you know people want more diversity there as well like games that could be also relevant for female for a female audience or different audiences so I think this whole trend again it's about for me socializing um, I'm very curious how this will last on longer term when we can go back to normal and we can meet in person so um, this is probably one thing um, that I, I'm quite excited about. Good. The second one is what do you do to keep mentally and physically fit in general, but even more so during these difficult times? I, I think I've always been a person who finds <laughs> who finds ways to, um, you know, to keep myself um, well, hopefully healthy, but also occupied. Um, so I 
you know, I, I work out at home. Um, so this is something that I do regularly and I take big walks because I think that's, you know, that's something that it's not restricted and, and that's just very healthy. And I also try to do some, you know, very different stuff from, from you know, what I do uh, as a daily job. So some creative stuff. So I started um, painting uh, and drawing, which, which, you know, is a very relaxing thing for me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm reading books um, and um, also taking photos. Um, I also uh, did some mentoring with kids. Um, so I just tried to find ways that, you know, um, that can help me fit, as you said, mentally and, and emotionally and physically. And I also picked up tennis, uh, which I just started um, learning. And I really enjoy that because I think it's a proper social distancing sport outside um, learning something new. So that's, um, that's been my, my challenge, a good challenge for, for this year. Nice. I see you're not bored at all. And maybe someone can get some inspiration from some of your activities. The last question before I get into summing up our talk would be if you have any resources that you want to recommend from books, blogs, podcasts, videos, it can be anything. Yeah, so I think I mentioned a couple on other forums. So I don't want to repeat myself. And I would then I, therefore I would mention two books that I I recently read. So one of them um, is Michelle Obama's Becoming. Um, I read the book, uh, I think, last year, but uh, now there is a documentary um, on that. And I think um, it's quite different from the book in, in terms of, you know, it's about her road trip when she went on a road trip with her book. Um, and I really like her, you know, honesty, her sense of humor. And I think you can learn a lot from her journey. So I really enjoyed both the book and the documentary. And the other one that I, I've just read, um, it's uh, May Musk's uh, book. Um, it's, uh, I think the title is A Woman Makes a Plan. So she is uh, the mother of Elon Musk um, and she's, um, she's been a supermodel. She's 71 years old, as far as I remember. And um, she's also a nutritionist. Um, and I think her story, her childhood, um, her life is just very exciting and um, I just like reading bios. You can learn a lot from from those. And I think that's how you can pick up some very good tips um, and advice from people who've been through um, challenging times, but also very you know joyful times. So probably these two books and, and the documentary that I would recommend. Thank you very much for that, Eva. Now we really got to the end already. And before we say goodbye, I would like to just quickly sum up some highlights of the conversation we had. Uh, we compared briefly VC and CVC and found that, of course, in CVC, it's even more so important to really find the right strategic fit companies. There is usually a little bit more niche, even still broad, but more niche focused than some of the VC firms might have. Um, there is a very close connection with business development of uh, the mother company. But there is also business development opportunities for the portfolio companies than with the mother company. Um, better due diligence support, maybe um, the lifetime of the capital is different, might be more patient, and the incentive structure is also different. Um, and then we talk a little bit about the CVC landscape in Hungary or the CEE region and named a few things that maybe still need to be done in the region in order to have a better setup for such corporate activities. Uh, one of those things was the right skills that people still need to adopt because it's not necessarily in the DNA due to the history. 
Um, there's definitely mentorship and the help of people who's already done it successfully. And there are more and more success stories in the region from which people can learn and to look up to as well. Um, the legal terms might not be that convenient as in other regions and still need to be improved and changed um, as well in order to have a better setup for those things. Is there anything I'm missing that you still want to mention, Eva? No, I think, um, well, thank you for, for your questions. Um, and it was a pleasure. So I, I have nothing to add. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you everyone for listening. And we will be looking forward to hearing you or seeing you again uh, in our next podcast episode. Bye. Bye.